and the one million Windsor, Ascot, Ascot Maidenhead, Maidenhead, Bracknell, Bracknell Wokingham, Wokingham, Henley, Henley Reading. Reading. Okay. The Voice, River Radio of the Thames Valley. Welcome everyone to this show, Let's Do Lunch with me, Jenny Tishi. I'm your host and I'm a cookbook author and a nutritionist and this show is all about food and nutrition. On the guests I have today, I, well, I have a series of guests, but the guest I have today is no different, actually. We have a shared past in, in certain terms, but um, Adam Simmons is actually and has achieved Michelin stars in two restaurants. One of those was Adam Simmons at Danesfield House, for, for those of you that are in the area. You will know Danesfield House, just outside Marlow. He has an incredible string of accolades, including representing London and the South East at the BBC Great British Menu finalist banquet for the war veterans at St Paul's Cathedral on the 70th anniversary of D-Day. But Adam isn't here to talk just about his role as a chef. He's also an ambassador for a fantastic project, which is called The Burnt Chef. And it's a globally recognised non-profit social enterprise committed to making the hospitality profession a healthier and more sustainable place by focusing on the people within it and the, their well-being first. So welcome, Adam. How are you today? I'm very good, thank you. Thank you for having me. Good, good. It's good to be reunited. It's been a while, hasn't it? Um, and obviously, you know, you were local. You were here for, for quite some time, but a lot has happened in between. Um, and I would love to find out a little bit more about that. But first of all, let's just talk about the hospitality industry. I was really shocked to read that four out of five hospitality professionals report having experienced at least one mental health issue during their career. And actually, I found that statistic on the front page of the yeah. Burnt Chef Project com worth checking out um can you tell our listeners what you think is or like what your involvement is in the burnt chef project so my involvement um was born out of lockdown one when um when obviously the hospitality industry was shut down at the drop of a hat um and it was a case of right how can i i was just scrolling through um instagram and as you do as you do (laughs) during lockdown yeah during lockdown there was nothing else much to do to be fair at that point so it was a case of that. We, I came across it. I contacted Chris and said, "You know, I'd, I'd love to be involved. How could that happen?" Mm-hmm. And we then um, jumped on a, a Facebook live. Yeah, that wasn't very successful as far as the internet was concerned. Yeah. <laughs> we were all uh, challenged yeah, we by were that. All challenged, <laughs> and it and it basically it came from that. So I did an honest um, conversation with him about my struggles through mental health. Not from an egotistical point of view, but to help people to say, yes, you know, people do suffer from this and, and it's important to talk about it. Mm. That's the, it's all about the stigma of, of um, smashing the stigma, sorry, of mental health and guys more than anybody being able to speak up and say, yes, I'm in trouble. Yeah. So I got involved and I'm an, amb- an ambassador and now I'm a chief ambassador, you know, and it's about spreading the word of, but they do so much more other than that they do training for uh, for the hospitality so that management can deal with these issues or have an understanding of it i've done mental health mental health first aid through them 
Brilliant. Again, it's about it's just about recognizing these things. So it's not just about sharing stories like your story. It's actually about taking practical steps to help people as well. Exactly that, and that's and that's the difference between some of the others that are out there, you know. And and the driving force behind it is Chris, and he's he's a he's a huge inspiration to all of us. I think. What's his background? He was he was a um, a supplier in mm-hmm. essence, and he. Well, how it bought, how it was born was that he had a chef that was burnt out, yeah, and the, that's how the the name came out. The burnt, burnt chef, chef project, yeah. It's, but I want to say is it's not just for chefs; mm. it's for housekeepers, it's for front of house, it's for Brilliant. managers, it's for anybody within the hospitality hospitality industry. Yeah, that needs a hand. It is a full on profession, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, if we can talk a little bit about you know your own experiences, <laughs> I met you. You were on the verge of getting your first Michelin star. Danesfield House you'd already got a Michelin star in Wales when you were there um it was go 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 I mean just turned 40 I think I'm giving away your age now aren't I (laughs) sorry am I I'm a few years on now (laughs) um but but it was full-on and and even then we had discussions about the fact that um you know you can as as a as a chef or someone working in the profession you can work in the same environment day in day out you don't necessarily know whether it's day or night there's no because often you are in the basement of wherever it is you're working so can you tell us a little bit about what happened to you what what, you know what's your story so my story having gone through what I've gone through over the last four and a half years I, I realized that it was more about me than anything else um and I suppose I was striving for perfection yeah you know that drive to to be the best that you can be yeah can can uh, undo you in so many ways um and yeah. i think that's how it started you know i wasn't i had again this is all in hindsight right is that i had my mental health issues stemmed from a long time ago mm. you know um not being good enough or not thinking i was good enough you know not the drive for success mm-hmm. and i suppose um, notoriety in that respect yeah Und- undone me in a big way um, I mean you, you were yeah at this point in time yeah, you were very much present in the media yeah you know you were on tv yeah. you were on radio you yeah. were getting Michelin stars I mean you don't go under the radar with a Michelin star sure. so you're very much in the limelight at this point is, yeah. is that something that kind of exacerbated your mental health issues or do you think it was the reason for them or it highlighted? No, I, I think my mental health started a long time ago when I was at school. I struggled at school with dyslexia. Mm-hmm. And I remember there's teachers saying that I was uh, calling my parents in and saying that I was a bit stupid. Great. You know, which is uh, back in the day, back then, the dyslexia wasn't well known about. Mm-hmm. So I went to hospital, did some tests, but then I got extra time in my exams. That made me feel different. Yeah. You know, I didn't have any true friends, I guess. Mm-hmm. I was a bit of a loner yeah. in that respect. You know, and and from that, I went to college again. It was the same. But then I suppose it all started then from my, for me, I, I started drinking and, mm-hmm. and substance abuse to a certain degree. And it's just escalated on from there. Um, and, it, and it hit rock bottom for me four and a bit years ago. Right. Um, I had a, I had a pop up in Soho mm-hmm. I just got engaged and my my using was out of control at that point wow and it was and it was painful and did your fiance know that well she knew she knew I was I she knew a little bit mm-hmm. you know but I'd, I'd make every excuse I became a liar I became deceitful I became everything mm-hmm. that I swore that I wouldn't become in life 
Yeah. Um, and it accumulated, it took my soul, it took everything from me. Um, I was a shell of who I was. I wasn't Adam Simmons as Adam Simmons. People knew me. Yeah. Although I was a functioning addict. And I think that was my undoing. And I, and I suppose that exacerbated my mental health. And in order for me to deal with my mental health, I used more. Mm. By using more, I felt worse. And, and so that cycle went on. And I, and I suppose um, within that time... I knew I was in trouble, but I, I didn't. I wanted to stop, but I couldn't stop. I just, I just, I, I was so desperate to give, to just for that peace. Yeah, my brain shutting off. And mm. saying, but there was no point. There was no obvious sort of breakwater, and no obvious point at which you could go. This is going to end on Tuesday, or this oh is no. going to end on Thursday. It's just going to carry on and carry on, even though you could feel it getting worse. Yeah, and that's exactly what happened. It carried on, and mm. and it got worse and worse, and then. My fiance left at that point, and mm. it got worse. Yeah, you know, and uh, and I, it was, it, yeah, it was just disastrous. Um, we all know how this goes or could yeah. go, but it, but from that, I suppose six months after she left, I was sat at the end of the count and thought, I need help here. Yeah, I'm in trouble, mm. and a lot of people don't get that 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 space in their mind to say I'm in trouble. Yeah. Some people don't come back from that. Mm. Whereas I did, and I and I reached out to to CA, mm -hmm. and I and I suppose I picked the phone up, put it down, but because I didn't know what to say. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure you're not. I the didn't first. know what to do, and I had to Google how to stop using yeah. substances. And it yeah. was, and it, you know, the thing is, I can laugh about it now. Back then, I couldn't laugh about mm. it, and I'm not laughing because it's humorous. It's it's I've come on a long way since then. Yeah, and I suppose by stopping that. By breaking that cycle, getting the help that I needed to get, and being able to say I need help, yeah, that was the fundamental thing. Yeah. Saying that I need help here, mm. how can I get help? And that's how I reached out. Were there other people in your environment that you were aware that were in a similar position to you at that point? Um, I think we all knew certain people were in situations, and yeah. you know. Not to the extent potentially that, but then everyone's different, right? It's not to what extent I was or somebody else was. Yeah. Everybody suffers things in different ways. Yeah. And I suppose it's about um, recognizing that and saying and helping other people. Mm. I, I think from me being able to ask for help and to say, then that, that allows me to help other people also. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is so important today. You know, you get so much from helping somebody else. And, it, and that's what it's about today. I was wondering whether you were so embroiled in your own issues that you couldn't see the width of the trees, whether you could see other people or whether you couldn't see other people that might be struggling. Um, at, that, at that point, forget it. Yeah. It was, it, I couldn't see my own hand in front of my own face. Yeah, something. yeah. You were so consumed. I was so consumed with, with where I was in my own mental state. Mm. And it's an illness, right? Society yeah. puts people in a box, whether that's drink or drugs or mental health. Yeah. And that's the wrong thing to do, right? Mm. In my opinion, it's a mental illness, and it's an illness. Yeah, and and it's about helping people. Yeah, absolutely. Know, for society to put somebody in a box to say that's you know you're there. Yeah, it's it's completely wrong. Well, put them in a box. You basically put a lid on them, that's and right. you put them even harder and even harder, dif you know, difficult position to get back out of again. When you? when all somebody needs is a hand. Yeah, yeah and yeah. an opportunity and somebody to believe in them, mm. which is what I got from from. Cocaine Anonymous and from being in the rooms there and from being in a, and 
there's people, and I admit, and people admit that you wouldn't necessarily be around some of the people that are in within the rooms. But do you know what? They're some of the loveliest people. Yeah, yeah, you connect. And, and, we, and you connect, and you're there for the same reasons, and the stories and the laughter and the hugs and yeah. the cups of tea and biscuits and <laughs> the unity that's in these rooms is just huge. Yeah. And it's brilliant. Well, actually, do you know, that's the thing, isn't it? One of the... Uh, I'm a big fan of the Blue Zones, which yeah. are the, uh, the study of all the places in the world where there's a significant number of people that live to over 100. And one of the um, things that they all have in common is this sense of community and belonging. And I think sometimes with life, we can... However much we think, you know, you're in a team in a kitchen yeah. or, you know, I'm working in a team, you know, speaking at an event or whatever, yeah. you can feel quite isolated um and then when you find your people and those people might not be to your point the people that you thought you would have all these connections with because they're not in the catering and they're not in the hospitality or they're not doing a similar job to you or they're not they don't like the same bands as you or whatever oh hold on we've got this one quite big thing in common you know and and actually that can be your connection can't it to a community and their sense of belonging you know you're all trying to get out of the same situation aren't you and the support networks there, you know, and it's about if, if somebody does relapse or they go off to ADAR and, mm. you know, and they come back into the rooms, you're welcome, you're welcome as, as, as you were the first day you were there. Yeah. You know, and if you're in trouble, you can pick up the phone to people and you can, and it's just an amazing, and that's what, that's what's helped me, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's about, it's about help mm. and it's about giving people a sense that they can achieve something. Yeah. You know, and, and you can be on the deck and you can still come back from that. Mm. Yes, it takes hard work and determination. But by the same token, if you're prepared to do that. Yeah. You know, not every day is an easy day. <laughs> That's for sure. Uh, yeah, I was going to say that. I mean, obviously you're going through, and you still ca- can say this, I think, you can go through your own recovery for decades after yeah. you've hit rock bottom. Yeah, you're never, you never, you, you have to continue it. Mm. You know, I'm a recovering addict. Yeah. And that, that's, that's how I, I'm not recovered. Yeah. Because it's one day at a time <clears throat> and I have to deal with that, you know, and it's, and it's about recognising if you are in trouble mm. or you do need an extra, an extra lift that you, that you can recognise that and that you can ask for help. Yeah. It's all about asking for help and being able to open my, and I can only speak for myself, is about opening my mouth and saying, I'm in trouble, I need a hand. And Whatever that is, whereas I didn't do that before. Yeah. And that was, the, that was my undoing. If I had been open to myself, I think, and been able to say, yes, I need a hand. Mm. But then back then the industry was a different, it was a different time. And I may go from one thing to another now, <laughs> but, but it, the industry was a different time and it was about macho and it was about, I used the word macho, although there's females in it, even then it was a dominated industry like that. Mm. Um, and it was a case of, right, you need to just get on with it. Knuckle down and... Yeah. ride the storm and yeah. I think that was the danger whereas and this is what the Burn Chef project is or one of the things the Burn Chef is about smashing that and yeah. smashing this stigma that you have to carry on you don't have to carry on you can say put your hands up and say I need a hand and if you're a responsible employer then you'll listen and you'll help them and have you found now speaking out about your own experiences that you've had younger people who perhaps haven't got to the point where they are or do consider themselves, you know, addicted, but they can see that their behaviours are moving in the wrong direction. If you have people that have been able to talk to you because you've made yourself open and more available to that. Yeah, I've, I've had a lot of people come and, and contact me and say, you know, thank you for being inspirational. And that for me goes a long way. You know, it's about 
and people have reached out to me. How can I get help? Mm. Can do you have five minutes to talk to me? You've always, everybody's always got five minutes, right, to talk yeah. to somebody. That five minutes can make a difference to somebody's life in whatever way that that plans out. But it's about, I, like I said at the beginning, it's about me being open and honest about it so that I can give, hopefully, people inspiration, mm. that there is hope out there and that you can be in a certain situation, but you can also come out of that situation. And that's what it's about for me. Yeah. You mentioned something really interesting there. You mentioned stigma, uh, the stigma of talking and particularly in a quite macho profession. Um, and it, and it is, I mean, we are seeing changes. Uh, it was beautiful. I loved seeing the all female entrance to one of the regional, um, heats for the great British menu recently. That was amazing. Um, so we are seeing changes, but it is still this sort of almost like putting a plaster over the top of, you know, a mental health issue. Clearly no one's ever going to think that's a great idea, whether it's a blue plaster or not, you know, it's not a good idea. Um, so, why do you think there is, do you think it is the macho nature of the industry that has created this issue around not talking? Um, or do you think there's something else at play with the hospitality industry? I think it's, I think it's the, the first part. I think it's an industry that, that was born around uh, what it was when I first came into the industry. Mm. Long hours, you know, hot, sweaty places, no, no light as you said at the beginning, down in the basements, those type of things. Mm. Yes, it's changing, but it's about, and I often say this, and I've said it a few times, it's about turning a, uh, an ocean liner and not a dinghy. <laughs> it takes a long time to turn an ocean liner. Yeah, This is going to be the same thing. But what mm. you need to do is you need to put the stake in the ground and say, yes, this is the change. Yeah, Not everybody's going to do that, and I understand that. You know, There's many implications to why it can't be done. Well, that's not true. There, we can all jump on the bandwagon and say we can't do this mm. but as an industry we can do it and it needs to change yeah you know in order for us we all know how the industry is right now and it's and it's not in a great place and that's not because it's not a fantastic industry this i've been doing it for 36 years and it's an amazing industry mm. you know it's treated me well in some respects in others not so well but yeah. that was my own undoing and that was my own fault um but there's also employers that I've worked for that I believe that if we'd been in a different scenario, then they, it would have been a different place, if that makes sense. And, and in terms of the industry itself, I mean, my experience will tell me that there is not one personality type, but there are people to whom or for whom the hospitality industry is home. It's the best place to suit yeah. their drive, their level of energy, their level of adrenaline. Yeah. So it is quite a sort of a high stakes environment, yeah. isn't it? There is that element of danger. There is that element of heat. You are working long hours. Do you think there's a sort of the, the nature of the people that the industry attracts means that this is an industry that perhaps needs a little bit more care and attention when it comes to mental health? Yeah, it does need more care. It does need more care mm. because it is, like you've said, a high-paced adrenaline. You know, you've got to think constantly. You've got to be alert. You know, you've got to be on the ball, mm. you know, because you are part of a team. And yeah. that's what makes this industry so great. I can see you smiling as I'm saying this. This is what you love about it, isn't yeah, I it? Love it. Yeah. And I love it. And I love the industry. And that's why, that's why these changes are going to be great for the industry, mm. you know, it's like anything, you need to go through an evolution, right? And, yeah. this, and this is what it's about. It is high adrenaline, it is... But, you know, where else do you become creative? Where else can you put something that you can give to somebody yeah. that will give them 
a sense of pleasure, I guess. Yeah, you but know, also ex- sort of an expression of who you are on a exactly, plate. And, and this is, I love it. Yeah. I just, I, honestly, I, and I still love it now. Yes, I've gone through my own things. and But, you know, it's about, I still have that drive and ambition. Mm. I still mm. want to achieve things in my career, you know, and I still want to be able to, to give something back to the industry. And can I ask you about, you know, what happened to your creativity? I mean... <laughs> You have an absolute skill and flair for the most beautiful looking and tasting food. What happened to you and the food that you created when you were at your worst mental health wise? Did it stay the same? I mean, I don't know if you feel you can say that because you don't want to look unprofessional, but you know, it's about being honest. Did it, yeah, did it affect your work? Oh, yeah, it did affect my work. Yeah. I struggled to get out of bed in the morning. Mm. Uh, Through mental health, I struggled to get out of bed, you know. And I've gone through many issues of mental health. Um, I thought being creative, I thought I was creative. I'm more creative now than I've probably ever been. Wow. And I think because I'm dealing with my own issues, mm-hmm. it's allowed me to free my headspace up yeah. and be more creative. And that's going to come to light, hopefully, further down the line. Yeah. But it's a, And this is why I've ignited my passion for my industry, is that I can become creative again. With a clear head mm-hmm. and be more objective on my own on my own ability, yeah, and say right, this is not good enough or this is and why it's not or help other people or bring other people in mm-hmm. because it was, it was all about me from before. Do you feel like some of the pressure to kind of be something or to keep at a certain level maybe has been removed because of the challenges you've had with your mental health? Yeah, I don't. I think the pressure. I go in and I love what I do, right? And I and I go in and I cook and I and I run kitchens and get involved and you know training people is probably one of the best the best things I do right now. Mm. Mm. And you're right, that pressure's been removed. Yeah, and you can just cook. Yeah, and this is what it's about. This is why I came into the industry is to cook. And I think okay, there are certain there are certain places that I've been where it's not been like that. Mm-hmm. But you deal with that, and I have to have I have the tools around me to be able to deal with that the best I can yeah. on that day. But the, to have that pressure removed and just to be able to become creative and cook, there's no better gift right now. Yeah, wonderful. This is so interesting. Um, well, let's just take a brief pause here. But uh, when we come back, I want to talk a little bit about your journey into food. You know how you found food. <laughs> Windsor, Windsor, Ascot, Ascot Maidenhead, Bracknell, Bracknell Wokingham, Wokingham, Henley. Henley. Reading. Okay. The voice. River Radio. Of the Thames Valley. Welcome back to this show, Let's Do Lunch. And today I am joined by Adam Simmons, who is and has held two, uh, a Michelin star at two different restaurants. I should make that clear. Not two Michelin stars. And it's not all about the stars. And we've been talking about that. We've been talking about how the focus of your own career as a chef has changed over the course of time. With your own mental health challenges, I think your perspective has definitely changed. Um, I said different Adam in front of me today. And obviously I knew you, have known you for a long time, but I worked with you a while ago. Um, but tell me a little bit about your journey into food. I'm always fascinated by people that kind of knew what they wanted to do from quite a young age. So, how did you know? When did you know that you wanted to be a chef? I think I think my 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 thing started at school when I was when I was very young and we did home economics back then. I don't oh, know what yeah, it's well, yeah, it's food tech, I think now, <laughs> but it was home economics. Yes, so I think I think my ignited from there, and I was really restless as a kid behind sat behind the desk. Mm-hmm. I didn't, and again, like the dyslexia, you know, I've never 
I've never used that as a as a as to say worries me or, or anything like that. But I just didn't, and I thought by and what happened by being in a home economics class was that you could do things where you didn't need to. Yes, you needed to read a recipe. Mm. You could stand up and you could use your hands and taste and different other senses. So that's how it was born, I suppose. Yeah. Um, and I just loved it. And then, there's no chefs in your family? No. No? No, no. So no, this idea all. wasn't something like, I'm going to follow my parents into whatever no, they no, did. No, no, it's just, just no, a no, moment no, no. of, yeah, no, I love no, it. And, it, it. and that's, yeah, I suppose, that I was very for, well, fortunate for both myself and my siblings mm. is that we were allowed to do, you know, our parents allowed us to be to go and do what we wanted to do in that respect. That's lovely, and, and it was lovely in that respect. So mm. we had the f- I had the full support of them. Yeah, from a, from a young age, but that was that was how it was born. And then, like, what was food like? You know, growing up for you <laughs> as a kid was it? I did. I I mean, I don't mean to you know put your mum or dad's cooking down, say. but I'm not sure it was Michelin star. What, what sort of food did you have growing up? I think uh, mum would always cook fresh. Yeah, good. That's, that's for sure, and mm. we always fundamentally we had to sit down around the table on a Sunday yeah dad used to travel a lot so you know mum used to she used to work but cook and mm-hmm. it was fresh mm. um but as a family we used to sit down and have a Sunday roast every Sunday lovely um and, and did that, you ever get involved in that did I yeah no I did I did little gravy dinner, taster or something no I did dinner <laughs> parties for mum and dad when they had you know, like their friends over it's very small I love and it, that and it was and, and it was just part of what we did you know and it was there was yeah you know, I used every pan in the kitchen and there was just carnage everywhere I think at that age but you know I enjoyed doing it then and it, yeah but, yeah when you look back at it it was nothing special but well, we are talking like kind of there for late 70s early 80s let me just ask was there a like avocado and prawn cocktail oh, no, in there, there was, and a- yeah yeah there was a little bit of that you know <laughs> melon balls the, the melon balls <laughs> stews <laughs> that type of thing Brilliant. but no it was it, you know and I think that's what food did is it brought us all around the table once a week mm. you know back then we didn't have phones there was no mobile phones and stuff and, and all of this but but it was about sitting down and being and just having a conversation as a family it's lovely that isn't it i mean you see, you could get the joy of of communicating connecting over food over a meal which we know again is one of those things that's really important for our mental health and mental well-being and then you went off to catering college at 16 that's right i left school at 16 yeah when did you decide like when did you become like really ambitious about that because there'll be lots of people that go to you know catering college at 16 but don't necessarily end up doing the sorts of things that you've ended up doing so when did you realize that you really wanted to pursue this as a career I think from then, from college, mm. what way I wanted to go, I didn't really know at that time. Um, I then applied to a number of different restaurants after uh, um, after college, well, whilst in my last year, mm-hmm. and I went to to the Gavroche as my first baptism of. Fire. That's a great place to start. Yeah, it didn't last very long. <laughs> why? Why not? I was just completely out of my depth. Mm. You know, I'd moved to London, which was cool. I struggled a little bit, I guess, um, but I was completely out of my depth as far as work was concerned. It didn't put you off. So where did you go next? No, so then I went to I went to uh, a small restaurant in in Soho. Mm-hmm. It was very. Oh, sorry, I went to the Ritz actually. <laughs> From the Gavros to the Ritz. Yeah, but that was more of a because it was less. Yes, it was fast paced. Yes, yeah. it was the Ritz. But I was on afternoon tea sandwiches to begin with, mm-hmm. and, and all of this. So I, I was I was eased into it in that respect. Yeah. 
which was probably one of the best things. Knowing that the Michelin thing was something that I still wanted to to strive for mm-hmm. or to go and work at. And, you know, through the early days of my career, I, I, I worked in small restaurants in London. I went to America for a bit. And then I came back and got back into the Michelin thing. And, and mm. that's that's where it was. I suppose that's where it was really ignited for me. Yeah. But I always loved cooking. So it didn't really matter where it was in in, in some respects. But I always knew that I wanted to get back into that Michelin style. And I mean, the hours. So you, these places you're talking about, they're all in London. You're, you don't, you're not born and bred in London. No. So were you living at home and travelling in? No, no. Well, some... To begin with, I moved back. I moved to London, mm-hmm. and then I moved back, and then moved back to London. So, but you're doing really long hours at this point. You're quite yeah. young. Yeah, yeah. What was the scene like then? I mean, was booze, alcohol involved to keep you going? Was there anything else that helped? Well, that's where you? I first found. That's where I found first found substances. I suppose yeah. is is that through that. But I don't know if it was because of the fact that you needed to keep going. Mm. It was more of a release, right? I want to make that clear. It wasn't because of the fact that I needed it to keep going throughout the day. Yeah. It was a release after work. Yeah. You know, and I was young at that point, and I'm not saying I can't do the hours, but <laughs> my body can't take it as much as yeah. it used to, that's for sure. <laughs> Whereas I think, um, yeah, and you're more tenacious when you were younger. Yeah. And it was more, it was acceptable then. It wasn't like the industry is now. Yeah. And it's, I've been in the industry 36 years, so. Maybe more, actually. <laughs> don't want to admit no, it to myself. Trying, I don't want to admit that too much. <laughs> Keep but it 36 I think, years. I think, uh, yeah. I think um, back then I could do the hours, mm. and, it, and, and that's what you had to do, you know. Um, that was the norm. Yeah, and so it's like, like really socially acceptable just to sit down at the end of a shift, have a few drinks before you left. Or you go to the pub more, mm. than, more, than, more than in the workplace, that's yeah. for sure. Um, or you go to the clubs and... And what about like looking after yourself? I know, again, this is something we've talked about in the past, but you know, you're in a kitchen, you're producing amazing food. But how were you eating at that point in time? What, when I first started? Yeah, I don't think it was more on the radar then. I think, mm. I think it was just you'd have one meal a day, if, if, if that, um, because you, and you'd stand up eating. Gosh, so it was grab and go, oh, basically. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty so it's interesting, then. isn't it? Because yeah. you look at some, uh, particularly, you know, when you go abroad and you look at family-run restaurants and they all sit down prior to the, the evening session or prior to the lunchtime session. They just have their meal together, but they have it slightly earlier than the clientele are going to be arriving. And I think this is something now that, 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 the, that the industry is now taking a note on the, mm. and it's now, you know, if you haven't got the right fuel in you, yeah. then you're not going to be able to perform at your highest. Yeah. You know, and, and if you've got to be on the ball for a three-hour service for lunch and a, probably an even longer one for dinner. Mm. You need to be focused. Yeah. And the only way, if you're not fueling your body, mm. and this is something I've learned, if you're not fueling your body properly, then you're not going to... It's like a professional sportsman, right? Yeah, you just don't get the best you out of it. just don't get out of it. Yeah. And then you're, you you struggle to concentrate and so on and so on. So the people at the beginning of the uh, the, the uh, lunchtime sitting, they get the best food, right? <laughs> well, no, we can't say that. <laughs> no, right? I can't say that. That would be dangerous to say that. Um, so you've worked at some brilliant, I mean, really well-known restaurants and some really well-known chefs, uh, some with quite strong temperaments. Um, where would you say has been the, the happiest kitchen for you? I don't know. I don't know if the, you know, everywhere you work, you work for a reason and you go for you know, you go for either the style or what they believe in. And mm. I think there's been so many greats that I've worked for and I've been very fortunate to. Uh, the, obviously, 
the memoir was the finishing school for me, and and Chef's passion and drive, and he's still got that now. Is mm-hmm. just it wears off on you, right? And yeah. it, and it was just an amazing space to be in. That's lovely. Very hard, yeah. But I wouldn't change it for the world. I think that's where you learn the most when it yeah. stretches you beyond your comfort zone. Just ever so slightly. I always say ever so slightly beyond your comfort zone. That's where you learn the most. So like today, how would you describe your style of cooking? I think it's changing and changing due to the plans that are, that are hopefully coming to fruition. There's going to be a change in, in how it's going to be more natural, more fluid on the plate, not mm-hmm. so precise. Or contrived as it was back in the day. Mm-hmm. It needs to be more because of because of the produce that I'm looking to use and the style in which it's going to be. It needs to be that way. As a lot that's of a good thing. That's a good thing, right? To reinvent yeah. yourself sometimes. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you, you know, underlying there's the, there's still going to be you know, your personality, Anna. But it's uh, looking at the where you're getting, like you say, where you're getting the resources from. There's so much more focus, isn't there now? And I think part of that's Brexit. Part of it's pandemic. Part of it's yeah. what's going on in Ukraine. Yeah. A part of it's just as you get a little bit older and you think yeah. about things like that a little bit more. But you have all these resources on our doorstep almost yeah. that we could be using. And certainly happened during lockdown, didn't it, as well? A lot of people became much more aware of buying local and places they could buy local from. I know it certainly changed, you know, this bit of anecdotal evidence, but I know I changed my buying behaviour and use local markets a lot more. So is that sort of inspired the way in which you... That's so important today. Yeah. And I think it's so important that we can support uk suppliers yeah and uh, because we have some great produce here mm. you know and we need to tap into that you yeah know? and i think that's that that's that's the most important thing and whereabouts in the country are you living at the moment so where is on your doorstep uh, at the moment i'm in bedfordshire ah, okay I still i have my flat in marlow so oh you still have it yeah i still have it yeah he's local boy <laughs> brilliant and i know um you know we've talked and collaborated in the past about sort of creating nutritious alternatives to some of the richer fine dining options is that something you still do today you sort of um there's there's aspects of it not as much as i want to mm-hmm. but again this is something that i want to pick up you know it comes down to being adam simmons yeah and it's about adam simmons um like you rightly said it will still have some of my my it will have me your touch in my touch <laughs> and i think that's the most important thing right yeah and uh, yeah i'm just so so excited about the future and then you know further to that there's you know things that probably have changed since you know we first met years ago is the focus on mental health and nutrition and we know there's this link between you know the, the health of the gut and the health of the brain uh, is that something that do you think is coming into play or will come into play in your cooking going I, forward i think definitely there will be aspects of it i think it's important that that we that we look at that mm. um for the staff as much as anybody yeah i think it's a whole world out there that i'd love to explore more on that's for sure mm. i can cook I like to think I can cook. But it's understanding what, how your gut works and what's best for it, like fermented stuff. Yeah. Whereas we can take, we can take stuff from last season, let's say, ferment it or preserve it and use mm-hmm. it later on in the year. But you're using it at its best. And this is the whole thing about um, cooking right now. Mm. And that's, that's the way it's going to go for me. But I think the gut and mental health is so big. 
mm-hmm. and it's this definitely something I want to explore for sure. Yeah, and it's interesting, isn't it? Because you have that come almost at your fingertips. You know, we talk about some of the work that the Burnt Chef Project are doing, and talking about how they're addressing mental health. Mm. We know that you know there are so many prongs to that approach to help people through mental health um and and you know supporting them but hopefully preventing as well yeah. but sleep is one of those yeah. you know prongs of approach you've got yeah. to get good sleep and yeah. you know sleep is obviously a functional thing but you can support it through nutrition as well mm. and the same with you know food supporting both sleep and mental well-being so it's sort of all exercise you know it all fits in together doesn't it well the whole thing's interlocked no mm. without and if you can get all of those right, yeah, then you become a better. It becomes your lifestyle becomes better. You can deal with stuff better. Mm. You can deal with the challenges of life, yeah, or what comes your way on it, good and bad. Um, and it gives you those tools. It's one. It's the armory that you need in order to be able to combat or to be able to deal with mental health. And I was going to say, so going back to your personal story, I mean, what things have you found have made the biggest difference to you, you know, having hit rock bottom and now being recovering, let's say, uh, you know, what what elements of lifestyle changes, maybe food or not, but, you know, what lifestyle changes have made the biggest difference to you? I know if I'm eating properly, I'm drinking water, I'm getting enough sleep and I'm exercising. Mm Mm-hmm. And obviously those four there are huge for me. Yeah. I'm not saying I get that right all the time. (laughs) Who does? (laughs) But I know those four work for me. Mm. But sometimes it's it's implementing all four at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the problem. But, but you know, the first step is recognising that that's what needs to be addressed. And the second step is addressing it. So the fact is you've identified exactly what, you know, any organisation would want people to be working on to keep them healthy and and well. Um, so this is uh, really interesting. I hope you're enjoying listening in. This is Let's Do Lunch. I'm Jenny Tishi and I've been joined by Adam Simmons and we're talking about mental health and well-being in the hospitality industry and obviously Adam's own personal experience um, as a very well-known chef, uh, TV chef, etc. So we will be back after this brief pause and we'll be talking a little bit about what happened for Adam when the pandemic hit. Across the Thames Valley. One more time. Across the Thames Valley. This, this is River Radio. Well, now for some pop music. Try this. Welcome back to Let's Do Lunch. So, Adam Simmons, 2020 came along, March 2020. And overnight, the entire hospitality industry had to pretty much shut down. So what happened for you? So I actually left one job in London to take on another job. Um... And I got the call. My notice was in. I'd, I was, uh, I'd left two days. It was due to start the following week. Got the call to say that the plug had been pulled on it. Oh, my gosh. And that I had no, there was no job. So it's like you're, you're computing what's gone on there. You're computing about, and then we went into lockdown. Mm. And then you're just computing about what on earth is going on right now. Yeah. Um, so I had no furlough. So I had to... I had to find something to survive, not only from a mental standpoint, but obviously as financially as much as I could. And this hit everybody. I'm not, this is just my... Yeah, it's not sort of poor me, no, but, no, it, no. but it was unfortunate timing. For sure. Mm. You couldn't get worse timing. No. I don't think. <laughs> you couldn't have selected <laughs> like, that worse. <laughs> oh my dear. Oh my days. So, um, so rather than just sit around and moat, I, I worked at Amazon at nights. Mm-hmm. It was very interesting. It's interesting to see an organisation that big and how it operates. That's for sure. Um, I did some stuff at Selfridges Food Hall when that reopened. 
But you know, when when that reopened and you're walking down Oxford Street and you're probably one of two people on Oxford Street. Weird. It was like tumbleweed, right? Yeah. And you're one of the only person on the tube. And um, I did some stuff at the homeless uh, soup kitchen in Tottenham Court Road. Wow. I did. Uh, I did some work at a pub. I, I I had to sign on. Yeah. Because I had no choice at some, mm-hmm. at one point, um, and that was tough for me. Yeah. Because you, I'm used to working and I'm used to being out there, and and surviving myself if that makes sense mm. whereas to do that yes it was the right thing to do but it was quite a tough thing to do for, to, for me to get over that mental again it was that mental my mind was saying well I don't you know that's not me that's not me the ego yeah yeah, yeah. And stands whereas, in the way of many of us yeah and mm. whereas you need to smash that ego and mm-hmm. and do what's right yeah I've I, I then opened the hotel in London um, after we come out of that lockdown 2020 then had to shut it again. Gosh. And then, then I was fortunate that I could go to Antigua for three months. That's now, nice. Friend of mine. Okay, you did get a stroke of luck. Yeah, yeah, that was a, <laughs> that was a stroke of luck. But it was great to do that and to go. But even out there, they were hit um, massively out there mm. because obviously tourists weren't travelling. Yeah. But it was a time they used it as a time to to train their staff. I did some bits with them. I spoke to local suppliers. And it was a great time, I have to confess, being in the sunshine. Mm-hmm. Yes, it was hard work, mm-hmm. but it was good. It was changing yeah. the scenery. Yeah. Um, so that was me in a nutshell within lockdown. But it, that's where I also found the Burnt Chef project. It reignited my passion for this industry, you know, and so on and so on. So f- from the crisis, there was a positive for me, as, as well as, you know, that I can go out there and I can go and, and do what I need to do in order to survive. Yeah. So that was a big strength of character for me because if it had been four years ago, it, it wouldn't, wouldn't have been, been the same like outcome. Yeah. I was going to ask, so, you know, obviously, you, you, you know, where were you in your recovery when the pandemic hit? Did you feel sort of secure or did you think this is one thing that could tip me? Um, I think I think at the beginning it was like, at the beginning was the biggest struggle because mm. it was like, what am I going to do now? How am I going to find work? What's Where's the next paycheck going to come from, so to speak? Um, you know, how am I going to, uh, at that point, at that point I was, I was well into my recovery, mm-hmm. but by the same token, it could have tipped me over the edge. That's for sure. Yeah. It's a big uh, thing to happen to anybody, yeah, but to deal especially with, so, someone. Yeah, there was no face to face meetings. Mm. Um, it was online meetings, which are, they were great. You had the pool of people to call on, which I did. Mm-hmm. Um, but the boredom, that boredom is a big thing yeah. and it was about trying to keep yourself occupied and, mm. and and not fall back into that trap. Well, and also, you know, the profession that you work in, it's quite routine in the sense that, you know, you turn up at work at the same time, you go home at the same time, pretty much, you know what the shifts are. And then you're thrown into a situation where you don't have that routine, you don't have your normal habits and everything's thrown out. That, that one thing can tip people. Well, I tried to keep into a routine where not get up as early as I did, but yeah. get up, go for a walk. Um, at that point there was takeaway coffee so I'd go go and get a takeaway coffee mm-hmm. um, then come back try and get into some routine of, of doing I, I, in the end I had to stop watching the news because that was that was one thing that was going to send me over the edge that's for sure <laughs> um, I try and keep myself occupied mm. in the morning then that, make sure I had lunch at the same time go out in the afternoon mm-hmm. you know dinner and then I suppose th- then it was relaxation time at the end of the evening. 
but it was difficult as the more it went on the harder it became to do that yeah you didn't know where the end was no mm. um and that's where i suppose the night thing working for amazon at nights that helped me in some respect because i i could sleep some of the day yeah so that helped me just it's, what's really making me sort of uh, i'm coming to a realization that all the things that have happened to you um, have put you in situations you probably never thought and alongside people you never thought you'd yeah, yeah. get to meet. Yeah. And actually, it's been quite inspiring, you know, yeah. the meeting people at CA, meeting people yeah. at Amazon, you know, yeah, these yeah. are not places that you would have expected yourself as this, you know, sort of high-flying chef to find yourself and you've embraced every single, you know, op- let's say, opportunity. Like, if you can say it like that. I look back at it now. At the time, it wasn't it wasn't as easy as that. But mm. when I look back on it now, I'm very grateful to where I was and where I am. I was very grateful to those opportunities, mm. and I'm and I'm so proud that I could be able to do that. Yeah. Without, I'm just proud of being able to to be to succeed and to be able to go out and to do the things that I've done and meet the people that. And you have to embrace it, right? Mm. Because up until that point, I wouldn't have embraced it. Yeah. Whereas it, these are about life experiences. Yeah. And I'm brilliant. so grateful for that opportunity. And no like, matter how small it is. Yeah. And, and I was going to say, so while you, you know, sorry, this is my, sorry, one second. Um, while you were experiencing this and going through this pandemic and the lack of certainty, you must have looked around you and seen that there were people from your industry mm. who were probably where you were four years, mm. well, two years prior, but four years prior to mm. today. Um, did, you, did you witness some of your colleagues, some of your ex-colleagues really struggling with it mentally? There's a lot of the guys, I, or not a lot, but there were guys that I, that I know that struggled through mental health, mm. for sure, because they, weren't, they were unsure about where the, where the pay packet was coming from. They were yeah. unsure about how they are going to pay their rent. Mm. Some employers cut people loose, as I call it, without furlough. Yeah. You know, and this is why the, some of the industries in the way that it is, there was a lot of there was a lot of when's the industry going to reopen? How's mm. it going to look when it reopens? You know what the cover's going to look like? What's this going to look like? Yeah, and 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 then the, the news was feeding all this information about it was all negative. Yeah, which I get, I understand it to a certain degree. That's why I had to stop reading, uh, stop listening to the news. And I know a lot of people I know did the same. You know, like you couldn't go out; you could only do this. You could. There just was no, adds to this layer of fear, doesn't it, all the as, time? As chefs or as the hospitality industry, we're a family, right? And we're used mm. to being around people, mm. whereas that wasn't the case. So and I mean, it hit a few people very hard. And, and so obviously, you know, with the Burnt Chef Project, it's a lot more um, people f- perhaps feel that they can talk about it because yeah. there is an outlet now. So the industry as a whole, and you said it is obviously it's going to be a staged process. It's going to be a slow process. It's not going to be an overnight switch to completely different way of working. But how do you see, you know, the industry post pandemic? I want to say post, am I allowed to say post? Maybe, I don't know. I know it's the, the levels are still high, but I appreciate that it is perhaps a different variation of the virus now. So let's say post-pandemic in, in a post-pandemic world in the hospitality industry, where do you think we are with regard to our kind of a way of dealing with mental health and Ill, poor mental health? In, in I think industry? the future is brighter, right? Yeah. And I think it's going to be, maybe that's what the industry needed. It was this was this circuit breaker as they, or whatever they call it, mm. you know, to, for us to really look at how we are as an industry. I think people coming into the industry right now is a right is 
is probably the best time for people to be coming in the industry, mm. you know, because change is coming. You'd and never I, want somebody not to apply, you know, no. to be in the industry if they've got the skill and they've got the talent, but they're worried about not being looked after if it does get too much or, you know. And this is, this is the thing is that their employers are more aware of what's going on. They are more aware of people's behaviours and patterns. And that's about, this is something that, you know, the Burn Chef Project is teaching people is about patterns and behaviours and how people can recognise this and being able to have a friendly chat with somebody. And, and this is what it's about, is, is about breaking down barriers and it's about being able to have a friendly conversation with somebody. Yeah. People I know that are coming into the industry that have never cooked. How exciting is that? <laughs> for the industry as well as for them. Yeah. You know, and I've said it before and I will continue to say it, this industry is an amazing industry mm. and something that, you know, more people need to get involved in for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I love I love um, speaking. You know, I get to do it through this show. I get to speak to businesses, particularly in the early days, and some of the things they get people involved in because people are passionate to, to enter into this industry. Generally speaking, you have to be passionate. Oh, yeah. You have to be passionate about food, yeah. uh, which is a good start. Food or drink, um, but but you meet some incredible and, and incredibly talented and creative people, mm-hmm. and I think it's wonderful that we can that now it seems that this environment is being creative which is more accepting more welcoming you know we'll put your arms our arms around you we'll welcome you in we are a team and and to your point you know perhaps this is what the industry needed it needed the circuit breaker but i mean as an industry the hospitality industry what do you think are the biggest challenges moving forward um in this sort of semi post-pandemic world staffing yeah that's fundamentally the biggest thing for me Uh, and i'm sure you can ask 20,000 people and they say the same thing. And why is that an issue right now? What's, what's the underlying issue there? I think, I think again, it's down to, you sound like a broken record. It's the same people's Brexit pandemic, Mm. you know, people have come out of it because they were working long hours pre pandemic, -pandemic. (laughs) you know, and they don't want to do that anymore. Mm. Whereas this is where the industry is changing and will continue to change in that respect. Yes. It's not going to happen overnight. Mm. Again, like I said, it's about putting a stake in the ground and saying this is where we want to be. Yeah, and it's working towards something. It's a bright. It's a you know. It's about a brighter future for this industry, and it's about attracting the youngsters and older people and people that have thought well they can't do this. They can do it, and 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 we need to give them a platform to be able to do that. It's embracing and it's about teaching the next generation. That's yeah. what we have to do. Because the thing is, it's one of those industries where you, you do kind of have to be present. You can't work from home on this one. No. <laughs> Unfortunately not. <laughs> Deliver when they say meal. work from home or don't travel where necessary, yeah, yeah, this yeah. is not something we can do in the hospitality <laughs> This is not an option. <laughs> and I think on that basis, you know, we talked earlier on about a personality type or an energy type or an adrenaline type or whatever it is. But you want you want people that want to work in that. But there are people that are very, very suited to it. It'd be great to have those people not working from home in jobs that are inappropriate and working in this hospitality industry where they may be best suited so it's great if we can still attract those people to the industry oh yeah without question you Mm. know and i think it's about giving people an opportunity Mm. um and i'm all for training people that's what that that for me somebody with the right attitude Mm. there's nothing better than seeing them flourish right you can do a lot with the uh, the right attitude and it's just it's an amazing yeah you can't teach attitude can you So I've asked what the biggest challenges for the industry are. What are the biggest challenges for you, Adam Simmons, right now? (laughs) (laughs) 
for me, it's about relaunching, I suppose. And yeah. I, and I suppose now, well, I don't suppose I know, um, working with Scott, my business partner, mm-hmm. we're looking to do uh, Launch Wilderness by Adam Simmons. Okay. You know, it's about now we need to try and find the right people to work with, with the right ethos, mm. not sustainability, but not only sustainability from a food perspective. Um, it's about sustainability for staffing, how we can provide the right, you know, the right environment for staff to flourish. Yeah. You know, where we can retain staff, which is hugely important. I know we say about staffing is, is, um, is, is not great, but I think if you provide the right environment and the right ethos and mm-hmm. uh, the, all of this, then it becomes people want to come from, come and work for you. Yeah. The right pay structure is important. Yeah. And then, and then the food is all about, you know, using local or British mm-hmm. foraged, preserving, you know, and, and, and more plant-based or vegetable-based, I should say, vegetable-based. Sounds incredible. Yes. Yeah, Have you got a location for this? Um, not yet. We're, we're trying to. F- so this is one of the things we're looking at to try and find the right location with the right partners, mm-hmm. um, whether that's in a hotel um, and taking a space over, or whether it's going to standalone restaurant or, or health options or. However that may look, this is something that we're looking to do right now. Sounds incredible. I'm very excited. If people would like to know a little bit more about that, if they've, you know, listened to what you have to say today and and, and want to follow Adam Simmons, where would they go and do it? Would it be social media or? Yeah, social media. So Instagram. Yeah. We're looking to relaunch Instagram, which is Chef A. Simmons. Yeah. Um, So, yeah. And um, then if people want to know more, do you have a newsletter or anything? so that people Not yet. This is something that I'm redoing the website, my mm-hmm. website. So that's something that and we're going to put newsletters and blogs and stuff, you know, of, of how this is progressing. Yeah. And also um, we, I'm looking at to do something called Home Kitchen, mm-hmm. which is to bring homeless into a restaurant environment. And that's progressing. Mm-hmm. We're just in the process of doing a crowdfunding page for that. So that's, oh. that's about something different through the soup kitchen and that was born through again through um lockdown yeah so we've got a few lockdown legacies that are are apparent um right let's move on to our quick fire questions so i can't believe how quickly our time together has gone um what would be your last meal on earth um oh dear put you on the spot now yeah put me on the spot i suppose that one would be um Chicken Caesar salad. <laughs> Good choice. Anything for dessert? Um, the best fresh fruit you can get. <laughs> yeah, nice. Um, who would you say has been your biggest inspiration? Uh, there's been so many, uh, you know, chef-wise, uh, Raymond Blanc for sure, Gary yeah. Jones, mm-hmm. um, a couple of others, Marchese in London, mm-hmm. you know, people that you meet along the way, people that I've met in the rooms. Yeah. So inspirational and so... Uh, one gentleman, the way he talks, you're just in awe of the way he is, and it was he's phenomenal to listen to. Obviously, my parents. Yeah, you know that's, you know that's why I'm here today. And it's lovely that you're in turn inspiring others through, you know, sharing a story. I and hope so, and I hope that's the whole reason for doing it is mm. is to inspire and to show people, mm. you know, and and to give people hope. That's what it's about, right? Yeah, it's brilliant. Um, and if you were to have a uh, fancy dinner party <laughs> now, you know, at the age you are now, rather than the ones that you used to hold for your parents, <laughs> which wasn't fancy at all, um, <laughs> no. who would you invite? Three people. Uh, Muhammad Ali. Great choice. Not had him yet. <laughs> uh, Lee Evans. Yeah. Oh, the comedian. Yeah, the comedian. Yeah. And Winston Churchill. 
Right, Winston Churchill. Good choices. Love it. Um, Adam Simmons, it's been brilliant to talk to you. Thank uh, you today. so much for having me. I've, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I did not expect it to be anything other than uh, <laughs> thoroughly enjoyable, but also just to share what's been happening to you. Um, Thank you. You know, I, I obviously follow each other on social media and I could sense from the things that you were sharing that there were things that I didn't know about. Um, and I'm very, very pleased that you've been able to share them and be open about them because I think through sharing your story and through the Burnt Chef project, there'll be so many more people that you access and that can access you and hopefully nip things for them, nip things in the bud, but more importantly that they feel supported um, by the environment around them because the environment's got to change. Right. And that's what's happening, which is brilliant. If people are interested in the Burnt Chef project, what's their? Yeah, they can go onto the website, go Mm -hmm. onto burntchef.co.uk. And they can can purchase merch. Which, which, is, which is one of the things, you know, or training modules or if yeah. you're in the hospitality industry. But the merchandise is great. You're you know, sitting I'm here modelling for us right now. So we will put a picture. They do journals. They do everything. Yeah, water bottles, obviously, with the heat. Great. Water bottles. They, there's chef's jackets. Perfect. There's so much stuff. Yeah. So much stuff. And it's, it's supporting a great, great cause. Yeah, no, it's wonderful. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening in today. We've had Chef Adam Simmons with us. You can follow him on Instagram. If you want to find out more about the Burnt Chef Project, go and check that out too. I'm Jenny Tishy. This is Let's Do Lunch. We're going to be back next week, but if you enjoy the show, please do leave us a review, a five-star review is even more welcome, on Google or Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Take care, everyone, and have a great weekend.
It's not unusual to see me cry I wanna die It's not unusual to go out at any time But when I see you out and about It's such a crime If you should ever wanna be loved by anyone It's not unusual, it happens every day No matter what you say Across the Thames Valley. This, this is River Radio.